Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Arbo's most reflective work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And uh, this is just your regular reminder that the fan art competition is still going on for a little bit longer. It ends in like a week now, right? Uh, yeah, I think submissions are due at the end of this week. You know, there's the link in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. It's got We've long learned there. to not try and make up uh, the information. Just go check it from the source. It'll be the most correct. Um, now, on with the show, we're here to talk about Malfeasance 11.7. Uh, so, if you'll remember, Elliot, Malfeasance 11.6 ended with Peter walking in and being like, hey, I found all these weird symbols. What the heck's going on? Um, and Alexis basically gives it her best try, let's say, um, to try and distract him. And she makes some good plays, but I don't think it is a success. No, I, I was pretty impressed with her ability to do things like, you know, say, oh, everyone could be considered crazy and, you know, all those words could be used. So she, she manages to not accidentally outright lie, which is yeah. uh, 100% what I would do in this situation. I yeah, would accidentally I, just lie. I don't know. It feels like level one uh, practitioner wordplay, though. It, it doesn't feel like she's making any really great... You know, like last chapter, I think, or the... Yeah, last chapter, I think it was, um, we had Rose doing the thing where she was like, oh, yeah, somebody in the family told me about this, um, mm, which I mm. call like level three or four practitioner wordplay. <laughs> Alexis is not at that level yet. How many levels are there? Like, what's what's the scale that we're dealing with here? I guess five. Okay. <laughs> Look, it's not a thought out scale, so don't don't well, focus on it too much. Okay. Well, you know, if, if we're talking about Pokemon levels, then it's like level five practitioner, you're still not really saying much. Yeah, I mean, they've really, the Cabal has only been practitioners for at most two months. A month? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so yeah, you know, Alexis comes up with this <laughs> excuse where it's like, oh, Granny Rose had an enemy who was in a cult, and so we think if we do these cultist symbols, they'll maybe give them pause. And it's a pretty good, it's pretty good, it's a pretty good response. Um, but yeah, Peter's not buying it. And and I kind of like the characterization here that we get of Peter as kind of the, I guess, street smart, um, where Paige, yeah. Paige definitely seems like the bookworm, and Peter is obviously not that, but still seems quite intelligent. He's able to um, kind of pick up on things to find the symbols, for example, and he... He can kind of read Alexis, Alexis's body language enough to know when she's kind of lying or telling the truth or that she's scared. Um, so he seems to be doing okay. Yeah, it, it actually reminded me of Paige quite a bit. And I mean, you know, Blake actually makes that exact connection and says, yeah. this is Paige, but uh, just has walked a different path. Because, yeah. um, uh, you know, Paige, Paige was, you know, the same. She picked up on lots of little details in things people said and the way they said it. Uh, so the, it definitely, it felt like Paige, but different. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is a lazy freeloader and, and whatever, but there's a reason that he's been able to coast on his natural talents because he's, you know, he's got a fair amount of it. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think of them as twins because I kind of always forget that they're twins, right? <laughs> but no, they are. Um, and, and you can kind of feel that through the interactions that we get with Peter this chapter. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they've walked different paths and, you know, who else could we be talking about there? Um, Andy, Andy and Eva, of course. Yes. they come in later. They're the only pair of uh, reflections <laughs> in this story. <laughs> no, I do like that we're kind of getting more and more of these to contrast, right? Like, obviously, Blake and Rose yeah. started out and then Andy and Eva came in and it was... We obviously hit that contrast beat pretty hard when, when whenever we talk about them. But now we've got uh, Peter kind of reflected off of Paige slash Ellie, uh, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, anyway, so Alexis basically eventually gets gets to the point of, uh, look, just wait until tonight and you'll see. And, and Peter seems to kind of <laughs> reluctantly accept this. Um, he decides he won't do anything too disruptive, although, of course, he's not just going to uh, rest on his laurels, I guess. <laughs> he's also not obliged to follow through on anything he says. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to pull out this this one bit where uh, towards the end, after Alexis is sick of dealing with his shit, where she she says, "I'm starting to see where Rose got to be how she is. I need a damn smoke." Um, and I'll just I'll just cut to you because I know you've pulled out a line that basically hits exactly the same theme. So I'll just I'll just cut straight to you and, and your line. Yeah, thanks for about both. thanks for setting that up for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Peter says uh, to Alexis, "You think it's bad dealing with me? I've had to spend my whole life dealing with a dozen people who are just about as bad as me." Um, <laughs> and man, that hit me. I-, I think actually, even Peter is not the worst of the Thorburns. Um, that honor goes to <laughs> Uncle Paul, in my opinion. But um, yeah, like he recognizes that he's a bit of a piece of shit, but his attitude of like. I've kind of done as well as I could given this situation is is not 100% true because Paige and Molly aren't pieces of shit, but it's at least relatively true. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, if you're raised surrounded by, like, a bunch of terrible people, it, it kind of makes sense that you would grow up to be a bit of a terrible person. But at a certain point, if you're able to self-reflect and admit yeah. that... yeah you start, like, I start to be like, okay, well, you're probably mature enough then to start to try and not be shit. Mm. Um, you know, like at a certain point, you got to start to take responsibility for yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say, oh, well, Paige and Molly aren't, aren't shits because it, it looks like the divorce and, and, and that's like the separation mm. of, of the twins happened when like Peter and Paige would have been like under 10. Mm. Um, so, you know, he was essentially raised in a different household. Like he may have legitimately had it a lot worse than, uh, than Paige. Yeah, that's that's my impression. I mean, uh, you know, like Callan and Christoph are Thor, well, walkers, I guess, but um, they definitely don't feel as shit as really the, the kings of the shit are Ellie, Peter, and mm-hmm. Uncle Paul, in my opinion, along with Blake's yeah. parents. Um, um, oh, and uh, Roxanne. Roxanne. She's horrible. Roxanne's. <laughs> uh, she's, she's horrible in the making. Well, actually, she's pretty well cooked. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it just also got me thinking, like, the fact that Peter and Paige were raised separately, like, who does that? Like, Mm. that feels so transactional to split up twins. It's like, well, there's two parents and there's two twins. Yeah, and they're the same. Fuck keeping them together. Yeah, It's it's the easiest decision to make because they're the same. So you can just, one gets one and one gets the other. Like, at least in the parent trap, the Lindsay Lohans were so young when they split, Mm. they didn't remember each other. Yeah, These two, like, know that they're twins. Like, that's just... I mean, well, you know, shocker, it's it's shit parenting by Paul Thorburn. <laughs> Who would have um, thought? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, I, I guess to circle back to the, to the original point you made, like, I really like that we're bringing in the Thorburns and already talking about, you know, being around shit people and, and raised by shit people tends you towards being a shit person. Because, mm. um, you know, and I, like, there's, there's literally probably over a hundred examples of that impact like we've got things like the radiation the way maggie talks about how goblins made her more gobliny like mm. impact it's very much what you surround yourself with is what you become and now we're exploring a more benign example of that with uh you know the shithouse thorburn family yeah and as long as it doesn't lead to an ava redemption arc i'm pretty happy with it honestly <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so Alexis goes off to, to have her smoke and, um, 
Peter's reaction, basically, he, he confides in the rest of the family that after talking with her, kind of grilling with her, she is scared. And he kind of lends enough weight to that to think, okay, maybe it's not 100% what they're saying, but something is actually going on here. And I we kind of need to <laughs> take care of ourselves. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. And, of course, the way to do that is to form a, a Thorburn coalition, which I, <laughs> I, I, my reaction the first time I read this was kind of like, wait, they weren't already... Like agreed that they yeah. would work together, <laughs> and of course, of course, they're not because um, Callan and Kristoff and Catherine are all like, "No, fuck you!" immediately, uh, which is great. Yeah, Roxanne is the only one who goes against her her immediate core family yeah. group. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, I I want to judge them for being so bad at like working together and working with each other. Mm. We have just been following Blake and Rose going through this the last few chapters. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to come down on them too much as, as shitty Thorburns when Blake and Rose... I, in fact, you know, I think these guys did better than Blake and Rose. I'm just going to yeah, say, uh, say it. <laughs> we've been ascribing, you know, we've been ascribing Blake and Rose's relationship to kind of like outside means where they kind of have to fight each other because <laughs> of their position. But maybe it's just that they're Thorburns and they can't yeah, work exactly. together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe there's no spirits going on here at all. Um, so... I want to talk about Roxanne because she's actually just a full-on psycho, right? Like Ava <laughs> level, like on a one to Ava, she's at the Ava scale, basically. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether to think she'll grow out of it or she's gonna get worse. Yeah, if she's growing into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Blake has that funny little line where he quips about what what she's gonna start to lean on when she can't just be a cute little kid anymore. Uh. And it's easy to believe that she will double down on you know being crazy especially based on how the chapter ends like i was originally yeah. planning on making a joke about how like you know eva and roxanne would be the ultimate team up but we already kind of see how they interact uh, at the end of the chapter yeah um she uh, yeah like obviously she can't lean on her her cuteness i guess at the end of the chapter and so her reaction is to pull out her knife and and start <laughs> stabbing which is insane to think about for a 12 year old yeah who just when she got the knife she must have already had it on her yeah she's uh, she's had it the whole yeah. time is the implication mm-hmm. yeah definitely <laughs> yeah um so uh so yeah blake blake is kind of preparing uh, with with the rest of the cabal for for tonight when things are really going to kick off and he kind of notices Ellie skulking around um, and true to her word from last chapter she basically just starts stealing shit uh, and popping it into a bag which justifiably makes Blake start to get a bit angry uh, yes uh, particularly because of what she's taking um, but there's an interesting bit just before he he goes on like operation fuck with ellie uh where he more thoroughly dives into these documents the thorburns have compiled mm. and um i mean like the interesting thing is how much cooperation there's been here there's, there's different like sets of different handwriting yeah they've clearly all gone through it multiple times like this is a really great example of cooperation and, and i mean as blake <laughs> points out it's designed to fuck over another family member so you can't really give them too much credit um but it just sort of goes to show that when they work together, the Thorburns aren't incompetent. Like, you know, it's like their greatest enemy is themselves, yeah. really, uh, yeah. as a family. Um, it just gets me more excited for the idea that some of them might actually, you know, given how this chapter ends, I think it's safe to say that the extended Thorburn family is going to be in amongst it 
now because mm. you know like some of the innocents have been attacked so even if they don't get awoken which i still think would be hilariously awful um <laughs> like the the, the family is going to be involved to, to some extent now and i think that's going to be a lot of fun yeah uh we we we've looked through some of the comments for this chapter and i saw a lot of comments that were just theory crafting about how the hell they could explain all of this to the to the yeah, Thorburn yeah. family um which i mean there's like no way impossible... to do it yeah yeah there's no way to do it that doesn't have the family at least somewhat invested in finding out what the fuck's going on in this yeah. town it's gonna be great yeah so things are uh going off the chain a bit um <laughs> so yeah one of the things i really liked is there's this you know three or so paragraphs where um where blake sees Ellie continue upstairs from the third to the fourth floor, which is the floor where the barber's attic is. And he's kind of like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. But before <laughs> before he has time to really do anything, she's come back downstairs again. Um, because, of course, there are protections there. And, and in the time it takes for this to happen, you kind of think, no, there would be protections there. Uh, but I just love these, like, sudden two or three paragraphs of, like, this has actually just gone in the worst possible direction for a second before it pulls back in. Yeah, well, it really highlights something Blake talks about, like, quite a few times throughout the chapter, which is how, like, confined he feels. And, I mean, it's his own fault. He He's part of the reason most of the reflective surfaces got busted up. <laughs> um, but, it, like, it, like, that's sort of something that, you know, especially towards the end of the chapter, is becoming a real problem for him, is mm. he doesn't have many points he can move around in in the house. And this just really highlights that. Because, obviously, there's no reflective surfaces in uh, in the barber's room. Mm. yeah i would hope not um yeah yeah definitely the walls are kind of starting to close in even though he's gotten access to the house again it it feels uh it it feels like he's kind of teetering on the edge yeah and obviously you know this is blake so that's a big deal because like freedom of movement is his whole thing yeah definitely um yeah so the other thing that i kind of this made me wonder was that ellie kind of it seems to instinctively steal things that have sentimental importance. Not only those things, but that's definitely what seems to happen. And it kind of makes me wonder if the sentimental importance that these things have can affect her, like, awareness. Like, is she more likely to notice things with heavy sentimental value? I, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it feels like it could be. So, yeah, so my understanding was if you were uh, unawakened, unawoken, mm. um, I don't know, if you're a muggle, yeah. Uh you're sort of immune to all the spiritual shit impact to to a large extent. Uh like things like that would kind of go past you. Um so I think if if it is spiritual interference, it uh, for me it would ma- only make sense if it's like bad karma for like Alexis and Ty and stuff that is mm. pushing her in that direction. Like it's not it's not anything to do with her because I think yeah. innocence, you know, it's sort of meant to be, you know, Pact could be our world and we're all just innocents. Like, we don't know. Um, so I, I'm more inclined to believe that, if anything, it's representative of a bad karma for the Cabal. Yeah, I um, could see that. More than more than anything for Ellie. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it could, it could just be, you know, uh, you know, the reason, part of the reason those things are valuable is because they're rare or, and or expensive. Mm. Um, Which obviously but, applies in the muggle world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, And, and like... You know, something that comes up actually a fair few times this chapter is, like, how observant Peter is specifically. Like, I know we're talking about Ellie now, but, uh, like, like Peter notices Blake speaking a couple times and stuff. Like, he can't quite make it out, but it's like, I guess now I'm just wondering, you know, is that a sign that he's just a very observant person and 
you know, his brain doesn't filter as much, so he he notices that stuff, or mm. is it a sign that he's leaning into the world more, like he's starting to clue in a bit, or maybe it's both, like, you know, it's packed. Um, <laughs> maybe it's both like, is a pretty good motto for packed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I, like, I wonder if, I wonder if this is maybe a subtle foreshadowing or something, just the way I, it feels like Peter is seeing through the veil a little bit more than everyone else yeah definitely definitely um and i mean you know we've compared him to page a bunch and page obviously you know is is diving headfirst into the world over in toronto so it makes sense that peter might be uh leaning in the same direction yeah yeah i mean maybe even pages uh pages you know diving headfirst is causing peter to kind of get slowly pulled towards it as well i I can see that being an extension of the ponds uh, the stones falling into the pond metaphor that i really quite love that isadora did many arcs ago yeah well i mean to be fair we don't know we have no idea what these guys all think is up with Paige, right like that's true you know uh she hasn't been mentioned at all which is (laughs) i i I would say is weird but you know these this family is you know not not the reminiscent type, I guess. I would assume they gather around the fire. I would assume they just think because she's at at the university that Isadora teaches at, right? So yeah, that's a yeah. pretty good cover story. I'm just at university. <laughs> yeah, but she's doing law there, and it's like if you're doing this whole legal play thing, mm. you'd you'd think the law student would be top yeah. of your list of family members to bring. Yeah, although she is she she's lost in the inheritance list, so maybe when she told them to fuck off, they're like, yeah. Fair. yeah fair enough <laughs> um yeah so so ellie follows uh sorry blake follows ellie around on her uh thief's journey i suppose um and and gets increasingly angry until eventually he he uses sympathetic magic to uh move the bag that ellie is hiding her stolen goods in and and kind of hides it up on a on a shelf in a in a wardrobe so that she can't find it which is a great it's great it's so fun well, I, I love this because it's like retroactively a great play because she's basically gathered all the things that are worth protecting for him and put them in one like easy to hide location. Yeah. Uh, so it's like it's like a big brain play, uh, <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I don't think Blake. Uh. Th- yeah. Obviously, it was an accident, right? Blake. <laughs> yeah. Blake doesn't have that thought, and, and he like the reason he ultimately acts is he's out of anger here right like we get many beats of him getting angrier and angrier and then eventually we get this moment where um he reaches in for a for a spirit to to pull this trick and the spirit comes like excited and ready to go which gives me very Mm. skeevy vibe of these spirits actively (laughs) pushing him towards his angry boogie blake kind of form yeah well i mean i think they're I think I think it's been explicitly mentioned that that is what they are going to be doing. Mm. Um, but what's definitely interesting here is, assuming he is right and it was like quivering with excitement, uh, it very much suggests that the spirits are starting to get on board with this. And like to me, that mean that that seems like a turning point. Like that's going to be cementing this as his mo. Like mm. he's going to become somebody who is gathering and attracting spirits that are wanting to be yanked out and, and used for sympathetic magic. Because, mm. uh, you know, like, from what we've seen, all these boogeyman stuff is sort of, you know, it's all self-perpetuating cycles. Like, what you do reinforces the spirits within you and stuff. So this is 
him starting to become this like and, and you know i guess this will it, it'll it'll become easier and easier for him to do pr- presumably um because all the spirits inside him are going to be like waiting for their turn to get shoved into whatever thing he's pulled into the mirror mirror realm yeah 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 it definitely seems like he's he's uh pushing along that self-perpetuating cycle with these spirits um because you know I mean, it's he, well, i was just gonna say it, it's very blake yeah for his mo to be sympathy magic like <laughs> I, I i like that yeah um, you're right it, yeah I, it's it's very much like taking it physically taking parts of himself and giving them up in order to do his things mm. um uh, like you know it's such a it's such a blake way to be a boogeyman i love it <laughs> Um, so, so Ellie eventually gives up, uh, on her ghost bag that has vanished, um, and heads downstairs and downstairs things really start popping off because, uh, Blake sees Ava and Andy, um, and before Blake can really signal anybody, they kind of kick into gear, um, immediately taking down Ellie and then kind of relatively quickly moving through the other (laughs) Thorburns and incapacitating them. Yeah. Do we know Andy and Ava's surname? Because it should be Wick. Because, mm. like, this is John Wick-style smooth operating. They just... Like, they're a fucking force in this. Yeah. It really... All the talk we've had about how fearsome they are, and you really sort of start to see it. They just obliterate these guys. Yeah. No, they really do take them down very quickly. Um, we get a bit more uh, Psycho Ava. Um, there's this line where Blake watches. Uh, he, he thinks, I watched as she stuck out her tongue, then bit it. Her eyes closed, her head rested against the corner of the wall, almost as if she were meditating or in a daze, which is so crazy. <laughs> like, she she does this, like, all right, use intentionally inflict pain on myself to focus, and then I'm just going to fucking go John Wick on these Thorburns and, and kick the shit out of this 12-year-old girl. Um, Yeah, because, like, when I read this, my first thought was, like, oh, is she doing some little spell or something? And then mm. it's like, no, wait, she's a witch hunter that they can't do that mm. um like they 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 don't even seem to rely on magical artifacts very much like it's it's you know shit with runes in it at best um so i guess like she just literally has to bite her tongue to patiently wait against the wall i i kind of uh, see it as her like f- the way she focuses is okay the most efficient way for me to focus is just cause myself some pain that'll sharpen my mind let's do it like like get the adrenaline pumping yeah 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 i mean maybe yeah Mm. either way like crazy yes um (laughs) so blake basically tries his best to uh get get in their way He, he tries to attack ava but she basically effortlessly takes out the reflective surfaces available to him and so he all he can really do is head upstairs to warn the cabal and they just lock themselves in Rose's bedroom, leaving the Thorburns <laughs> to their own devices. <laughs> I mean, let's not pretend the Thorburns wouldn't do the same. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I, I love this. I hadn't considered the using Andy and Eva to to attack these guys, and it's like I, I said last episode that I thought having like innocent meat shields was such a good plan because it would stop pretty much everything. But like, of course, this is something it does not help with at all like this yes. is a perfect first wave attack because it basically completely obliterates um presumably the cabal like I, I assume that's what they're going for as well as all the innocents like it's they're so fucked now like i'm totally on board with what you were saying last chapter now about like how fucked everything is because i hadn't considered these two and as soon as i came in i was like oh no ruben was right they're fucked yeah um uh, uh, Ty points out for everybody here playing along at home that witch hunters can kill people, even innocents, 
um, mm. which kind of steps up the the stakes. I mean, we kind of already knew this in the back of our heads, but it's 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 nice to have Ty remind us that yet yeah, Andy and Ava could actually just kill some Thorburns mm. and it would be fine for them. Um, especially considering what happens at the end of the chapter where they Ava comes pretty close to killing uh, Roxanne. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much to be afraid of with these guys, because all the sort of, you know, so much of this world is, has, everything's been constructed by the spirits slash author yeah. to, like, have all these rules so people are playing with their hands tied behind their back and it makes for, you know, better storytelling and yeah. and stuff. But, like, the witch hunters are this exception where it's like, no, they can just go around shooting people yeah. and, like, you know, karmically or whatever, they're fine. Yeah, they don't have uh, to play uh, by uh, the uh, rules. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, like, when when you've spent so much of the book setting up these rules and then you just have two characters who are like, nah, fuck them. Yeah. Um, like, it makes them so much more formidable. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. Um, so, Blake uh, heads downstairs to try and help the Thorburns and they're all kind of freaking out, not knowing what the hell's going on. Um, Peter is notably absent still from his walk. Um, we'll see. We don't really see what happens to him now, but maybe he's already gone, I assume, is he what we would assume there. I, I think there's an implication that he may have been taken out on the way in, but uh, yeah. I mean, it, so it's either going to be that or he's going to be, you know, the, the wild card that saves the day. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see him doing that, I guess. Um, maybe not on purpose it would just be a distraction <laughs> uh yeah uh but so blake kind of heads down says and and is trying to figure out how he can help the thorburns without you know revealing himself but before he can figure that out mm. there's an explosion like a flashbang kind of deal uh and the thorburns yeah. are disoriented and ava just comes through and cleans them all up very effectively yeah they sort of squabble right to the end too which is such a nice embodiment of them as a group Mm. That they're kind of bickering and arguing right up until the flashbang goes off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this is the first time that we actually see the witch hunters in action, right? We haven't actually seen them. We saw Andy uh, be a nuisance to Blake after <laughs> after that uh, time magic spell. Um, that was an action, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> but was, it was fun. Just, it was just him. <laughs> no, yeah, very different, though. Yeah, and we've obviously had there the interlude where they kind of describe where Andy described what they had done, and obviously it was pretty badass. But um, yeah, they're very uh, effective. I guess is the best word mm. for it. Ava is obviously as terrifying as we knew she would be, um, but Andy is is obviously quite cold as well. Um, Andy full on tasers Kristoff, who's like what fourteen, fifteen. Um, uh yeah at best and and is very uh nonchalant about like yep i'll just taser this child um and then ava yeah. can't can't let herself be outdone so <laughs> she beats the shit out of a 12 year old um yeah and i mean of course like i think that's kind of the interesting thing about us seeing them for the first time in action it's just against innocence, like against humans. Mm. and i think that really highlights sort of the ruthlessness as you said particularly of, like andy that it's just kids like you know if he's walking up and tasing like a a, a fairy glabbing up as a kid we'd all sort of be like yeah fair enough it's a fairy yeah. it as a kid whatever uh this is like no this is just an innocent kid and he knows that and he's just gonna tase him no worries like yeah uh it really comes to what we were talking about just after their interlude about how maybe these two aren't that different mm. um and and then yeah obviously we have roxanne who fucking yeah, yeah i mean we've already touched on it like she she has this knife and she's such a fucking little psycho and i think her her and eva need to make up because they'll be best friends yeah i could definitely see roxanne as like eva's prodigy 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, the Apprentice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, I don't know. Uh, something that was interesting in the comments to me was there was a lot of people going back and forth on feeling kind of uh, gratification at the Thorburns kind of getting a bit of their just desserts, but also the the amount of force used by Andy and Ava here is so excessive that you feel bad for these characters who I think have done nothing good in this story, but even <laughs> so, you, you don't... This is, like, too much. Yeah, well, because, uh, like, you know, this is not a response to any of the shit things they've done. Like, they, yeah. they weren't actively doing anything shit right in this moment. Uh, they're very much just collateral well, they, damage. They were doing minor um, shit things, I guess. Well, yeah. Um, no, no, I agree. Like, there's something a little bit cathartic about the fact that it's happening to the Thorburns rather than, like, I don't know, anyone nice. Like, if it yep. was Maggie's dad's, you'd feel so much worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, of um, course. But, like, you know, what is the Thorburns? You're sort of like, oh, I mean, they are shits, but... It's just the way Andy and Eva do it. You're like, ugh, like, yeah. full on. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I mean, they're here with a mission. And apart from Ava going nuts on Roxanne, the, especially Andy, he doesn't seem to use excessive force, I guess. Mm. Um, he, he, uh, there's a bit where uh, Ellie is like, oh, don't. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm getting Ellie and Roxanne mixed up. Roxanne is yeah. like, don't, don't uh, hit me, and and he's like, oh, I'll just tase you, and that's when Roxanne stabs him or attempts to stab him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's no, no winners. I mean, there's I... no good people in this situation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, but like that, that that little moment really highlights the difference between Andy and Eva's well, because like Andy is coldly ruthless, like you know he mm. just. He doesn't seek out violence, but he will just, like, you know, tase a 12-year-old. Yeah, to, he, he to actually doesn't them. hesitate at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, Eva, Eva goes into this flying rage after Roxanne tries to stab him. Like, she's angry, crazy, ruthless. Like, she, she was blinded by anger. She's the Blake, uh, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And so then, obviously, I think, you know, it's that's basically where the chapter ends, with the implication that they're about to head upstairs and take on the cabal or mm. take out the cabal um mm. more likely um uh, so something you just said started me on a train of thought where you touch on ava kind of freaking out based on anger and the other thing that happens this chapter is blake getting angry enough to do sympathetic magic at kind of risk to revealing himself on ellie right do you think mm -hmm. that there's an intentional comparison being drawn between blake's acting out of anger and ava's um Maybe a little. I mean, I don't think we're meant to think that they're on the same level because I think what Blake did is fairly objectively good. Yeah. Um, you know, he got a bit of energy out of spooking Ellie, but again, she was in the middle of robbing from people. It's hard to feel sympathy <laughs> yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, so, whereas Eva's was like kind of objectively not great. Like mm. after Roxanne was down, she was still kicking her, I think is what's mentioned. Yes, so, and had to be pulled um, off of her. So there's maybe some similarities, but I think like I, I think it would be unfair for someone to say that you know they're on the same level. Yeah, I think that is fair. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where the chapter ends. Uh, they they go to deal with the rest of the cabal, and uh, we'll see how that goes next time. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've only really got Evan and maybe Peter and slash maybe Blake who can do anything at this point. Well, what a, and Alexis, Tiff, and Ty, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, they'll be there. You don't think they'll do much? <laughs> <laughs> Against Andy and Eva, not not really, no. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, they do feel pretty unstoppable. But we'll see. Um, I'm sure mm. we'll find a way to stop them uh, and get back in, in time for tea. 
it, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just going to be a matter of what it costs, right? Like, yeah. What, what what dumb shit is Blake going to have to do to stop them? Yeah. Um, find out. Next find out next week. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before we before we wrap up the show, though, uh, I, I wanted to dive through some comments because we're getting to the point mm. where things are really going off the rail, and I love yeah. uh, reading the community's reaction to that as it happened five years ago. Um, I pulled out a comment that I really liked by a user called Innominate, um, and and this user Innominate basically pointed out the similarities between Blake. Or the the boogeyman that Blake is becoming, and Barbatorum, who we kind of theorise at this point pretty strongly as was yeah. used to create uh, Blake from Rose, right? Um, the implication from Amon's interlude makes it like very heavily implied that yeah. uh, the Barber was involved in creating Blake and or Rose. I mean, it'd be kind of crazy at this point to find out the Barber was not involved in the process that made Blake to some extent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously reflection tricks are a big similarity. Um, Blake is yep. obsessed with the hyena, which kind of matches Barbie's obsession with the sword. Um, the hyena even prevents healing when you're cut with it, which is something that Barbatorum's wounds also do. Uh, and, mm. and so, Innominate kind of extrapolated this out to say, is Blake, like, part Barbatorum moat here? Um, which maybe is a little bit too far, but th- there's definitely <laughs> yeah. some some. Uh, it definitely feels like Blake is a bit more tainted by his demon dad than we might have initially thought. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I talked earlier in this chapter how we've said that you know there's so much about you know as we're talking about the Thorburn family and, and Pactus talked so much about what you've what you're around and where you come from mm. impacts who you, who you are. So like that would make sense if there's some intentional. Uh, you know, imagery that's meant to line up between those two there. I, mm. I can I can see it. Um, I hate it, but, like, you know, it's one of those thanks I hate it moments, reading reading that comment. Um, I, I've pulled out uh, some bits from a series of comments that were started by a user called Bart, like, like mm. Bart Simpson, but yep. without the Simpson. Um, but it was Bart Simpson still? It probably was. Yeah, um, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, and so Bart just sort of brought up... Um, Bart went back and looked at some of Blake's visions from 1.1, which is something I did like a couple of arcs ago now, but there's definitely probably more to glean. Um, well, honestly, it just raised qu- more questions for me. I think like every time I go back to there, I just have a different set of questions, sort of like the same number. Mm. Um, but uh, Grin, Grin Vader, Grin Vader, uh uh use a point notice this an interesting trend which is uh in the vision in 1.1 mara had uh a kid with her like a a child with her and then obviously in like since mags's interlude we've seen her take the form of a kid uh and it was actually uh, grinvadir points out that in arc two in the council meeting uh mara was described as middle-aged whereas she was older in 1.1 so i think uh, basically the theory here is that you know uh this is how Mara stays immortal, I guess, is uh, she's kidnapping kids or, or something and uh, stealing their bodies. And mm. uh, Gr- Gr- Grinvader even suggests that uh, maybe the dolls in the house are all the, the little girls whose bodies she snatched, which is horrifying and, and makes sense. So I love it. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, like, I, and I, you know, there was a lot more on, on the whole visions thing, but like, I feel like it was all kind of rampant speculation tinfoil stuff that i was just like i don't know like and, and i i just have so many questions reading it but this one i was like yeah i'm i'm sold on that yeah 
Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I quite like that too. Um, I don't know if we'll get that confirmed, but it's a fun uh, note. Yeah, I, I think Mara might come back into the story at some point just because um, I'm waiting for, for the other Corviday shoe to drop. Like, Corviday just disappeared and I want him back because he was my favourite. He was so terrifying and I want to mm. see more Corviday and he was clearly linked to Mara, so I'm hoping the two of them will make another appearance. Yeah, actually, Briar Girl and Crone Mara have both been relatively absent from all this lordship goings on, right? They've obviously shown up. Mm. Briar Girl has shown up in a few meetings. Uh, Crone Mara, I don't think we've seen since uh, since Mags' interlude, have we? I think she was in... She was mentioned as being present in that council meeting where everyone was declaring like, whether they were going for the uh, lordship yeah. or not. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, but they haven't that, made any plays, and I don't think they're no. not going to... <laughs> Uh, not place yeah. for lordship, but just place to fuck everyone over. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to go for lordship, but you can go for claiming your stake or your territory yeah. under whoever's going to be lord, right? Like, yeah. you know, that's sort of sort of what Mags has done, but she she managed to do that with everyone. Yeah, Whereas, and, um, and there was a bit of that with uh, Briagol and Blake uh, before he went to Toronto, but it definitely seems like Mara has been, like, outside of that system a lot, so I wonder if that's the role that she'll continue to play. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait to find out. Yeah, um, and maybe we'll find out next chapter. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. it for us this uh, episode. Um, thanks for joining us, everybody. If you want to leave us your comments uh, on what you think of this story zero years ago as we're going through it, um, the place to do that is in the discussion thread, which will be linked down in the show notes. Uh, yes, and of course, if if you want to you know, experience more than Pact, head over to doofmedia.com. There's a bunch of other shows on Doof. Uh, in fact, we've got the book club coming out on Friday. So, I mean, you know, it's not a super long book, so maybe you could get through it. It's on The Black Company. Um, I've been really enjoying it. So it's not too late, but you're probably cutting it pretty fine. So go out there, read read The Black Company and come back and, and hit up the book club. Yep. Uh, we also just released a new episode of Media MD, which is the other show that we do on the Doof Media Network. Uh, that was a few days ago. Um, and we'll be talking about a TV show called Dairy Girls in two weeks-ish, uh, which mm. I highly recommend everyone check out because it, I think it's a very uh, <laughs> slept-on comedy. So check it out and um, you can hear what we have to say about it a little bit in the most recent episode of Media MD or more in the next episode of Media MD. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to leave us your comments uh, outside of uh, Reddit as well, you can find our Twitter, which is at Media MD Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, if you love Doof and, and Deep Impact and everything we're doing, uh, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash doofmedia because uh, we're entirely funded by our patrons and, you know, so we every, every dollar helps. Yeah. Um, actually, if you donate at $5 a month or up, you have access to the uh, Doof and Chill streams, which is a, a, a monthly live stream where we just, all the Doof hosts and the uh, patrons hang out and do a different thing. Um, we actually just had one again a few days ago. Uh, so the, the, the full VOD of that mm. is out. If you are a $5 and up patron, um, you can check it out. We uh, did some debates where we debated big topics and solved none <laughs> of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun just a fun kind yeah. of discussion yeah no it was, it was just a good chat with everyone uh, yeah absolutely um and of course wildbo has a patron mm-hmm. patreon.com slash wildbo so you know go give him some money he'll keep writing all these stories and then we all win yeah yep pretty pretty clear uh set of steps there easy to follow um so go do it no excuse not to 
yeah. so yeah thanks for joining us folks and uh our next episode will be on 11.8 that will be coming out on friday the 27th so we will see you then see ya bye